Welcome back here on the Oz Football Hour. It is an absolutely scorching day here in Melbourne. Josh, I know this is like probably a culture shock mm. having come back from Canberra this morning, but I figured you could use some extra heat and we could always, with the weather, use plenty of hot takes. And there was really, with that in mind, only one person to come to, wasn't there? Yes, indeed. And if I'm feeling uh, climate shock now, I feel like with Brisbane Raw <laughs> flying in and out on game day. I'm not sure uh, how I'm going to feel when, once the heat in the room rises and Ante Jukic comes to the fore. Ante, welcome to the Oz Football Hour. Hello, Josh. Hello, young boy. Hello, everyone out there in uh, soccer radio land. Uh, nice to be here. Yeah, I mean, have you recovered from your uh, your four-hour train journey that uh, ruled you out? You were DNP on the I, national curriculum on Sunday. I uh, I drove back, actually. I did not catch the V-line. Uh, I, I caught the V-line on the Friday, and I forgot how nice it was to, to have a nap on the V-line, um, you know, just help with the load management on Friday. Um, but, yeah, unfortunately, just, you know, after five months off season, you know, I couldn't really back up on the Sunday. Yeah, it's, we'll see how we go. Got to play it by you. Well, hot day today, but it was a beautiful day on Sunday as well here in Melbourne. Actually, you know, we'll leave, we'll leave victory for now. We'll start off with probably the, the game of the weekend, uh, at least for a, from a brand perspective. Of course, as you guys would both say, the big ticket uh, item of the A-League this season, the Newcastle Jets, air two-all draw with Western Sydney Wanderers. I did not watch this game live. You guys always say they're box office, but I'll tell you now, they're also quite good on demand, so that's fine. Ante, what, <laughs> what did you make of this game? Um, probably this game more than, more than any of the other games this round kind of encapsulated how the second round was more just an extension of everything that's happened in the first round with respect to individual team dynamics. Um, we saw, you know, we, what we saw in the first first weekend against uh, Central Coast, we you know, kind of saw again against Western Sydney and Newcastle, Newcastle are going to be very entertaining. They're going to play some really you know, attacking and expansive football, but they're also going to be really volatile and they're also going to finish games rather strongly. Whereas Western Sydney, they have this potentially great team and great squad, but they're not utilized correctly. So they just, irrespective of the shot volume and shot quantity that they had on Sunday, the quality of shots was um, you know, was rather questionable. And when it came to big chances, if you want to call it that, you know, they're pretty much even. Mm. Well, I mean, you you mentioned Newcastle as, as being strong finishers, and that's something we'll see from them over the course of the season. But they had a pretty strong start in this game as well and, and could well have been yeah, they did take the, the one goal lead early on through um through Mikkeltadze from the penalty spot, but they could have easily been a lot further clear from that. I got the sense that watching this game, um there's just as we saw in the first week, just such a unity of purpose for Newcastle at the moment. Like they're all there's a lot of incorporative players, the new players, particularly Mikkeltadze. Um, you know, Pena has shown he can pull things out of his proverbial uh, at a moment's notice um, at patches throughout the game. But they seem to just have this cohesion that Western Sydney didn't. And at least in that first sort of 30 minutes before um, Abini's fortuitous equaliser, to me it felt like Newcastle were showing, and you can agree or disagree, but Newcastle was showing what Western Sydney could be. Like there is, there is enough quality there for them to play as a really attractive, um, energetic, cohesive unit, which is what Newcastle were doing, Western Sydney 
great quality on paper, but weren't able to make that same thing happen. I mean, they were literally limited to Bernie Abini ISO ball for the first 30 minutes. Yeah, and that's not good. Um, I, I wouldn't say energetic with Western Sydney, um, but they can nevertheless be effective and expansive and attractive. Like, you know, not necessarily attractive, but it's more important that this is what would lead them to function as a team. And at the moment with how like Robinson has basically composed this squad and gone about not maximizing it. Like I, I just can't understand the logic there, you know, despite the small sample size, um, he can go like, and this is something that I kind of observed over the weekend. I think Western Sydney may be the most prominent example of this, but they're, they're not alone in the idea or the sense that they can just be so much better than what's currently put out there. Um, yeah, like I said, Western Sydney are probably just the most prominent example of it. They can utilise better as much player than what they are are doing to this point. Do you think it's selection? Is it formation? Is it the players not having a clear idea of how to incorporate each other and, and what to do with the ball? I think it's a combination of all three of those things. Um, selection impacts to a, to a degree, but I think, you know, initial composition and however much people might not buy into the idea of formation, I think it's important with respect to starting position at least because from there, because the defence and the opposition works off your starting position, which then impacts the possibilities for spatial occupation. Um, and so with respect to Western Sydney, I think it's I think it's rather profound um, in relation to who they have on the pitch which then consequently, you know, creates this confusion as to what they're actually supposed to be doing on the pitch. And so, like I said, it's just this combination of all three. I mean, I think those ideas about spacing um, that you're bringing up, I think that was sort of most, or it seemed to me to be most apparent in the midfield where so many players, and particularly Angus Thurgate, just constantly finding pockets and spaces to like move into always wanting to make that run in behind and support a teammate wherever he can. And on the other half, there was a lot of, I, I was, I was employing a bit of the, the Ante Jukic freeze frame just to, just to look at the team out on the pitch at certain points. And there were so many, so many patches of this game where the mid third of the pitch was just completely empty for Western Sydney. And even when there was maybe a midfielder in the hole, I found that particularly um, Newcastle did really well to, to get coverage to whoever the deep-lying midfielder was. Like, Jugarkovic, really slow start in this game, I thought, um, because of the, the the numbers that they were getting to the ball. So I think that was really um, that area of the pitch, I think, speaks to that idea of spacing. Yeah, look, midfielders impact what, you can, what teams can do. And however good Ugarkovic and Antonis could be, you know, are in individual senses, Robinson clearly doesn't know how to utilise them properly. And I think, and that's probably the most, let's say, lamentable aspect of all this because they do have a really, or potentially a really, really good midfield. And Robinson doesn't, you know, doesn't, at least to this point, hasn't utilised them. And he should. Um, but at the same time, uh we kind of saw what we saw in the first week with respect to Angus Thurgate and even in preseason with respect to Angus Thurgate, he's going to be someone 
who will make things happen? He's got like a nose for an action. Like he's got, he's got this very good positional sense, but whether he can then realize what he creates from a positional sense, you know, is another aspect or another element to, you know, understanding what Angus Thurgate is and what Angus Thurgate can do as a footballer. Um, to this point, it's been positive, but the thing about Newcastle, they're a team of, moment, of pretty pretty significant momentum swings uh, and how much of that is a consequence of the way they play, we'll, you know, we'll probably see more evidence with respect to that. But um, the, the, the fact that Jurman has now left Grossos out to dry for two weeks running, um, I think that's probably the biggest aspect uh, with respect to Newcastle, their centre-back pairing. Um, however much Topo Stanley might have been, might have been, let's say, questionable in terms of level in the A-League, uh, Burgard was a very underrated figure for Newcastle, especially when he was absent, you know, in, in previous seasons when he would have been injured. You could see the effect that he had when he came back. And I think that's low-key the biggest, uh, the biggest piece in terms of finding a, capable replacement. I want to talk about Antonis and why he keeps being made peripheral in, in all of the teams that he moves to. Why does he never end up being the centerpiece of the midfield? In this this team, he's sort of kept deeper. He's restricted in what he can do. I always feel that Antonis' best position is, is the most advanced of a, of a midfield three where he can receive the ball in tight and, and create in the final third. But uh, in this in this system, it seems to be feed the ball to Dimi Petrados and then he can spam shots and crosses into the box. Yeah, and, and like we were saying on on the national curriculum in the up to the first week, this this team and this system is subservient to Dimi Petrados, who is one of the most indulgent players in the league. And I think you know Western Sydney ceiling will be defined by that as a team. Uh, Antonis should effectively be like he might not have a motor or, you know, this, you know, this ground coverage, but if you give him the freedom to be able to move into certain positions, um, he will allow teams to function. Um, another one we saw this week, you know, to make a nice segue into this is Matty Steinman. Um, they're very similar in that respect. You need to, they, their physical skill set or their physical capabilities create certain trade-offs with, with regards to what they can do tactically and their understanding of positions. And with regards to Brisbane, um, you know, I, I'm not sure if he's maximised, and that goes for Roman Bari as well. 31 shots in this game for Western Sydney. Uh, this team is obviously getting volume up front, but they seem to only score off opposition mistakes. Mm, yeah. So <laughs> they're not the only ones in the A-League in that regard. <laughs> no, they're not alone. But, I mean, the pundits were hammering them. Andy Harper in particular, very harsh on Western Sydney's performance. Are we not giving Newcastle enough credit for the way in which they stopped the Wanderers playing? I mean, this, but this could be applied to the Sydney game as well. It's not like Sydney stopped them, you know, the, the Wanderers kind of shoot themselves in shoot themselves in the foot 
um, or, or at least they minimize the scope of what they can actually do. And there is this perception of dominance, which is, you know, again, speaking of the Wanderers not being alone in Australian football, there is this perception of dominance that comes with possession. And that's simply not the case because they're not really putting the opposition defence under pressure. And obviously we saw Jack Rodwell as well make a 30-minute cameo off the bench. And so it doesn't seem like these... uh, Issues of composition and balance are necessarily going to get much easier for Carl Robinson uh, in the weekend. No. Yeah. Well, perhaps that uh, that grey note is is a good a sign as any that we should move on to the other Sunday fixture, which was played in a lot brighter circumstances. I think uh, I think Jimmy Bullard would would have said that football was the real winner on Sunday when thirty thousand victory fans turned up in you know in the nice weather and and watched their side really did demolish Brisbane, at least from a, from a scoreboard perspective. Most people are, are, are taking this game and starting it off with the perspective of what it means for Melbourne victory. I want to invert that. I want to, I want to go straight to, straight to Brisbane raw because we are all, thank you. We are all early stage uh, raw coin investors uh, and our stocks took a little bit of a hit over, over the weekend. Ante, this Brisbane side on the weekend looked, uh, a far cry in some respects from the you know the performance we saw against Melbourne City what what do you think was the reason behind uh, such a, such a stark difference in in performance changing game state uh, quite simply the changing game state Brisbane were the active team less space to attract less space to penetrate creating certain uh, creating certain uh, sorry creating certain, let's say, uh, responsibilities on dynamics between players. And I think what was, what was kind of, uh, what was kind of intriguing was how disconnected they were in possession. And that was probably the, let's say the most significant aspect of this game. However much people wanted to talk about victory being back victory, rah, 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 they, you know, going to win the title from here. They're back. The fans are back. The you know, sun is shining. The sky isn't falling anymore. Like people just have to relax because this was one game. And frankly, this was a game that did suit victory. Um, however, however, there is a small caveat that victory did put themselves in best position to win the game and, you know, take advantage of the circumstances because they were well prepared. Um, I remember speaking to uh, an unnamed, an analyst who will go unnamed from Melbourne Victory, speaking to him about what he thought, what he thought, what what was going on at halftime and what we was, what he was expecting from Brisbane. And, you know, we were able to use the Melbourne City game as a reference point. And, you know, there was an agreement and saying, yeah, basically he's saying, yeah, we'll be ready for it. And then the third goal comes from specifically what they were ready for. Um, so, you know, hats off to victory and their and their opposition analysis analysis in that respect. However, that's that's one thing that really struck me about Warren Moon in the press conference, because which which coach wants to admit that they were outcoached in a game. And that was, uh, I think, there are certain there are certain details that he has to be mindful of if Brisbane are going to reach their you know potential ceiling this season. Was it a matter of certain passing combinations and and set routines playing out from the back that the victory took advantage <laughs> of in that respect? Uh, it was more, the second goal, yes, 
Um, but that's also born of, like I said, you know, kind of dis- disjointed and dysfunctional dynamics in in Brisbane's possession. Uh, the third goal was had more to do with Brisbane defensively and how they were how they adjusted. You know, over the course of the ninety, not even not only against victory, but also against City, um, and that's what victory were were able to exploit, and that's why um, you know Rojas and Falami were able to come into the game as, in the way they did. You know, despite the fanfare for Rojas. Speaking of you know things and objects at Melbourne Victory being back, like this this game and Rojas' performance has to be taken with a pinch of salt in this one. So he's 100% passing completion statistics in the final third. Don't wow you as much as it wowed yeah. Georgia Yeomandale. Read it and weep, aren't they? Read it and weep. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to hear those honking takes, man. Like pass, pass completion, you know, even, even with respect to, you know, the final third, it doesn't necessarily, like how are you impacting the team, you know, getting better shots on goal? Like where did victory, where did victory's best chances come from? Like this is, this was classic, victory and classic Popovich like let's let's you know pump the brakes a little bit I tell you which pass was completed though that cross under Falami's head because Falami's not scoring a header into the top corner unless the cross is inch perfect and that was a nice delivery not just that but it was also unmarked Mm. and then uh, or Falami was unmarked and you know speaking of specific dynamics that aided Rojas and Falami this was it and and I remember talking about it during the game and saying, yeah, Rojas and Falami are going to come into this. Um, and they did, essentially. They both combined for the third goal, and it was pretty pretty evident. And you could tell that Pop- Popper was um, – or Popovich had – had the Cheshire Cat smile in you know afterwards because he knew a plan had come together and there's nothing more satisfying than that if, you know, from a prep, from a standpoint of match preparation. It was a bit like a Mark in Peep Show. I was like, stop actually rubbing my hands together. <laughs> Don't do that. But uh, I was saying, I, I, we have half a mind to uh, nearly overdub that section from Ante before. It's just Ante preferred really not to speak about that particular one, but uh, you're talking about. Look, how- I'd rather get I'd rather get paid for my opinions, but uh, but I'll but I'll uh, but I'll you know I'll drip feed them here. Goodness my- gracious! Well, uh, as as you said, you know the the dynamic did shift in this game. Uh, Falami and Rojas both grew into it. One player who at least came on and tried to shift the dynamic for for Brisbane, albeit not quite as successfully as he did the week before, was Luke Ivanovic. Is it a matter of for Warren Moon, like, uh, when, not if this guy is, is given a, a start. Like, but I, even if he starts. Okay, even if he starts, what, like, how is he significantly changing how Brisbane plays from the start of the match with energy levels as, you know, as optimal as they could be? Um, yes, there are logistical, let's say, difficulties with respect to Brisbane, which is understandable. But from a tactical standpoint, I'm not sure, or like, or at least haven't been given enough given enough evidence to see how Ivanovic is really changing the dynamics of Brisbane from the start of a match, as opposed to coming on as a sub. Because I think he is taking advantage of you know depleting energy levels over the course of 90 minutes. Um, he is effective as a substitute. Okay. Uh, whether he, but whether yeah, where would whether he would be really different to Emilielsnik, for example, is frankly arguable um but 
you know, we can see. There, I think there are more pressing matters to attend to with respect to Brisbane. Well, explain that to a layman. Uh, explain to me specifically, Ante, because Milosevic <laughs> looks like a guy who operates at 100 miles an hour at all times and doesn't really uh, receive the ball with his back to goal. He doesn't control the ball very well oh, in he tight does. spaces. He does. He does. Yeah, but see, that's the thing. Like, he's willing to receive the ball in tight spaces, but is he willing to lock it in and keep the ball in tight spaces? Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a, you know very similar with Ivanovic as well. Ivanovic will you know he's okay with receiving the ball, but you know he's going to hot potato it at the slightest at the slightest inkling of pressure or perceived pressure. Um, mm. I think there are with you know although there is the hashtag clamour for Ivanovic, um, I'm not sure if he's the primary the primary concern from a standpoint of improvement for the rule. Well, if if Ivanovic is, in your view, not the answer for improving fortunes to the Brisbane role, what is? Like, is it just, as Warren Moon said in the, the press conference, <laughs> as simple as the elimination of schoolboy errors, or, or is it something deeper? What uh, is it that needs you know to change? Um, oh, for anyone who hasn't seen that press conference, I think um, I, that 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 schoolboy errors line was was just a fallacy. I say I and he to lead the witness just just a little. <laughs> yeah, yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, and look, I he had to be he he had to be called out on that over the course of the press conference because it's frankly wrong. Um, and like I said, a coach didn't really want to admit he was being out coached over you know in the game that had only just proceeded. But I think it had more to do with complexion than it did situation and complexion kind of influenced those. They weren't unforced errors. They were forced errors. Yeah. And that's the, that's the distinction we have to make there. So with that in mind, uh, their first home game coming up next Saturday against Adelaide United, that strikes me as a bad matchup for Brisbane Raw because Adelaide have these wingers, you know, Halloran obviously influences the game. Uh, Goodwin, if he starts or if he comes off the bench, can deliver a ball. And they seem to just struggle to uh, defend the wide areas in transition, Brisbane. We only need to, we only need to you know, look back at the last final series for Adelaide smash and grab in, uh, in Redcliffe and... Mm. Brisbane lost in very you know Brisbane lost in that game and it really became to be it came to be an encapsulation of their season as a whole. Um, so they had, Aldred's uh, one-legged performance was a, a decoy in that respect. It didn't, <laughs> no, didn't matter. Not necessarily. Not 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 simply that, but the manner in which um, you know there were dynamics in Brisbane possession that could that had that had a lot to be desired. Um, you know, they like you said, their ability to defend wide areas as, you know, in transition and as a consequence of, you know, the possession and the control that they had, whether they would be able to realize the possession they, and they had, whether they'll be, they would be able to capitalize on that with, through finishing and they were able to stay in games. They were able to be competitive and they, you know, they were able to be competitive against any team in the competition, but whether they would be able to capitalize upon that is a different, uh, is a different question. And I think that's where certain, especially this season with the changes in, you know, in dynamics and who's playing where, um, I think that's going to possibly be a more, a more pertinent aspect of Brisbane's play this season. And Moon seem, seemingly has to, you know, uh, make an adjustment. Well, Look, results of that upcoming game against Adelaide notwithstanding, it does look like a difficult one, but it, it, it does seem as though it could be a, a difficult few weeks for raw coin investors. But long term, what what is your long message term, to the yeah. investor group? Are you, are you saying hold firm on your yeah, look, I, I, I th- 
I think I, I still think Moon has the capacity to adjust. Um, I think Brisbane are going to be strong regardless. Uh, you know, they're they're going to remain competitive. It's not like they're you know, they're not making finals or anything like that. They'll they'll be they'll be there. Um, but yeah, there are just minor details that they have to iron out. And you know, if you have finals and you have six teams making the finals, like it's it's not the end of the world. Well, before we let you go, Ante, a little word on Wellington 2, Central Coast Mariners 1. I thought the highlight of this game was Ben Wayne and Reno Piscopo fighting over the penalty kick at the end. <laughs> Actually, I, I was going to ask you this on the other side of the break, but Ante, I'll, I'll throw the question to you. It, suppose Josh and I were in a, um, a vigorous debate about who would be taking a penalty. Who, do you, who would you back in to, uh, to win that battle <laughs> and eventually take of the and force maybe of wills? score or miss the penalty? Who knows? Uh, Josh. Yeah, no, I would probably say Josh as well. So no, good call, good call. <laughs> Josh, Josh, Josh would one back himself. Josh would you know, pull rank over you. I'm not sure whether he'd score though. Ooh. Yeah, I uh, I tend to block the penalties. No, actually, that's not really true. I've never taken a penalty in a a proper stakes game. See, I have. So mm. there you go. Where'd you put it? Uh, bottom left. Shape, shape. So you're right footed. Yes. Shape, shape to shoot, shape to shoot right, and then left, bottom left corner. Oh, just, just hit the old, the old Giroud technique. I, I have a, a yes. worrying tendency in training sessions to shape to shoot left, and then try and shoot right and shoot straight at the goalkeeper. That that, that would be my fear. <laughs> so, well, now, whereas Ante would obviously go for the Penanka, the starter step. No, no, I'm hooking like left footer. I'm hooking uh, top right. All right, that so, was my go-to. So the Harry Maguire style Euro final, aim for the camera, <laughs> take it out. Like, look, aim, aim. I was, I was always aiming for side netting on the right um, as a left footer and hooking, hooking into the side netting. Then, perhaps Ben Wayne should maybe listen to this back on. on the <laughs> it was a good save. Just it give wasn't me, a terrible no, no, that's penalty. That's true. That's true. Giddy um, is one of the best goalkeepers in the league. A, He's going to keep Mariners in games. Uh, it's a good point. It just seems crazy that it. In a game, it manages to come to that, though, that players are still yeah. like, <laughs> hustling. With I mean, you this have is to, what yeah, Paper I think, is I think, made for. <laughs> no, but look, I think I think you have to have contingencies in place, at least from, you know, uh, you, this is a professional team. This is this should, like, you know, this might happen at, you know, Sunday League or, you know, whatever, but like this shouldn't be happening for professional teams. Like you should have, you know, these plans in place for you know, for specific scenarios. Um, well, apparently, it was Piscopo's to take, and uh, according to the instructions from the coach, but uh, Ben Wayne ignored them. So I don't know whether yeah, he'll be getting it any minutes next week. It's not that. It's, uh, that it's, this uh, you can deal with this in certain ways. Like you can, you know, the, taking away his minutes could be one. You could fine him another. Um, there are, it depends on the, it depends on the individuals involved, but um, if Piscopo was, you know, let's say, given that responsibility to take the, take the penalties before the game, then it should fall on him, um, irrespective of whether, you know, he won the penalty or not. Um, yeah, that's frankly unacceptable. Like, let's say within a team environment, like that shouldn't be happening. I mean, fortunately for, for Wellington, it, 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 Cannon for Norton the end. They did end up taking <laughs> three points anyway. It would have been a lot worse if that didn't happen. But 
I digress. Was this 2-1 result for, uh, what are we calling them? The, the Wollongong Phoenix? The Wellington <laughs> Wolves? I'm, I haven't made my mind up. But anyway, you know the team I'm talking about. Was it a fair reflection, three points to, to Wellington in this game? Yeah, because I don't, I don't think the Mariners showed much. Like, I know it's all relative and, you know, Wellington weren't necessarily, you know, jumping off the screen, but I think um, they deserve more out of that game than the Mariners. And, you know, and even the Mariners in the first game, a lot of it was, a lot of it was influenced by game state in that game. Uh, against Newcastle and especially, you know, having spoken already about the volatility of Newcastle, I think they capitalised upon that. I frankly don't think the Mariners are going to be very good this season. Well, it seems as if the lesson from the weekend is uh, give the other team the ball and you will win. 59% <laughs> for the Mariners. Uh, how do you win with the ball in the A-League? Um, better midfields, smarter midfields, risk. Quite simply, like we've been talking about this for years and finally the penny's dropping. Like it's, it, it makes me like, uh, I, if I speak, if I speak, <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say. Dante deferred to speak on this. And on that particular <laughs> subject, I also cannot go into detail. Well, I feel like better midfield, smarter midfields risk is like the Ante Yukich campaign slogan. I think that's probably... A good note to end it on. Ante, if people are looking for your work across the week, and I have no doubt that they will, where can they find it? Uh, it will be on ESPN, and they can they can read my work. If they don't, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. If, if so, then, you know, I don't know. If you like it, if you like it. If you don't like it, that's okay. But I'm not good at selling myself here okay, if you well, haven't okay, noticed. Well, if Ante's not going to put himself over, then we should. It, it'll make you think, even if you disagree with it. And, you know, the, the scouting report on overseas uh, soccer is a new feature from you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, did, I, wasn't a, I wasn't a huge fan of the Cam Devlin criticism as a Hearts fan. Just so I prefer blind loyalty, but it's okay. I'll tell you, you did make some good points. Uh, there, will, there will also be one coming up in the, in the next week. So if, you know, about that, uh, it's always something that I guess – even on a personal level, I've always wanted from Australian footballing coverage. So, you know, let's provide it if, if you know, if it's not out there. Yeah. So um, if you do like it, share it. If not, oh, it's all good. Well, I think I speak for both Josh and I when we say that we're glad that the person <laughs> sharing that is you. You are truly best place. Ante, as always, thank you very much for your time. I know you've got to go uh, out to the backyard and practice your penalties and show, <laughs> show Ben Wayne where he hurt. So thanks once again for joining us. Uh, Josh, we're going to head to a break, and on the other side, we're going to be clearing through the rest of the A-League fixtures and discussing a little bit about uh, Sydney getting basically Sydneyed in many respects, but more on that on the other side of the break.